Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Jim Kellner. Each week, I explore tips, tricks, and strategies to help you and me to live a more awesome life. Today on the line, I have special guest, Brian Van. I'm really excited to have Brian on the show. He's a good friend of mine. He's a, uh, he's a financial the, uh, insurance agent with uh, Equus Financial, and he's also, are you ready for this, everybody? He's also a hypnotist just like me. So we're going to get some, uh, we're going to find out how Brian lives a more awesome life. Good morning, Brian. Uh, good morning, Jim. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. Thanks for uh, thanks for uh, being a guest on the show today. Really appreciate that. I know uh, my oh, listeners happy. are going to learn a lot. Going to learn a lot from you. Um, first off, Brian, give us a little bit of background. Now, I know you know I know a, a little bit. Um, yeah, you're uh, you're a military guy. You've you've gone through some challenges. We're going to talk about some of those those later on how you overcome those and how other people mm-hmm. might learn from your experience. Can you give us a, give us kind of a, a rundown of of who's Brian? Oh yeah, we we don't have quite enough time for that uh, today. But uh, no, I'm, you know, uh, wanted to, to make a just a slight correction. Um, you know, I'm I'm not a any financial advisor or anything like that as far as compliance goes. Um, uh, strictly life insurance and uh, probably the oh, what's it called? Um, you know, clarify that anything that I talk about today is not representative of Equus Financial or or anything like that. Um, so as far as my compliance goes there, I think we're okay. Um, but as far as my background, I grew up in, in Southern California. I played a lot of sports as a kid. I didn't want to, didn't understand what I, I really didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. So I, graduating at 17, I decided to go into the military. So I was a, an intelligence analyst and uh, crossed over to the dark side where the cool kids played with the special operations community. And after uh, military service of about six years, unfortunately, I got married and unmarried, and it was a lengthy uh, divorce process uh, with with children involved. But uh, you know that kind of launched a career in the family law industry as a as a paralegal, and I did that for probably the better part of a decade, and then stepped out, uh, started getting into the insurance field. I just really needed a, a career change, uh, and I I found uh, you know just life insurance protecting people and it really was kind of in my early to mid 30s that I found the importance of it and what it really can do and so I I feel really really good about what I do and how I help folks. You know and can I just can I jump in there real quick? We, oh, I'm sorry, were you done there? Yeah yeah go ahead. Okay I want to say something quick too because you know I know uh, you know I go to a lot of networking meetings and I run across a lot of. Uh, um, uh, people in the insurance industry, and uh, I, I think that that we don't, I think we don't recognize maybe the importance. Uh, and I don't want to go, I don't want to go out, go crazy on this because it's not, you know, we're not doing infomercial, folks. Don't worry, we're not doing infomercial. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> sure, but but uh, but um, you know, I do think it's interesting because as I've talked to you and I've I've learned, you know, it's it's um, when you get the uh, personal stories involved in it. I think that you know when you think about like I remember you telling me about a about a gentleman and and uh, um, who was who was unfortunately killed on a racetrack 
and uh, no, didn't, Ed, yes. didn't have the and and he didn't have the coverage that um, hadn't signed the papers or something and and uh, how heartbreaking it is on your side to not be able to go to the family and say here is the money that's going to take care of you um, and that's that's got to be a really really difficult part of your job. Uh, it 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 is um, you know not to go into you know all of his story and and everything like that but part of and I guess we can tie this in you know we're not we're not doing infomercials here but. Um, you know, <laughs> oh, on the on the financial <laughs> on the financial security side, I think that is a a, a component. Um, you know, that, that ties in. You know, it, it's with, with being happy, making sure that you've got mm-hmm. financial security uh, with with relationships. You know, proper planning, responsibility. This ugly world or ugly word called adulting that we're all forced to do right now. Um, mm-hmm. So there, there, there is an element there that you know. In general, it's making good choices, and we find that mm-hmm. you know, instead of developing what's loosely reformed to as a victim mentality of this is you know what somebody did to me, and of course, you know, we do have people who are victims of you know crimes and circumstances, but part of that is also how do we mitigate those? How do we give ourselves the the greatest opportunity? to prevent these types of things from happening. If you look at the automotive industry, you know, they looked at better braking, uh, airbags, seat belts, all these different things, you know, even engineering to the car of how can we prevent, you know, deaths or serious injury, but also understanding that, you know, sometimes life just happens. Mm Well, that is true. You know, I mean, it's um, we try. I think that uh, oftentimes we do try to find um, people to blame for things. And I, you know, and I, I, I come. I'll, I'll be honest, everybody. I, I come from a blaming family. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> uh, we're a blaming family, and we're a uh, and passive aggressive. So yes, um, yes, that, that's. Uh, I, I saw a lot of of both in uh, in, in the family law industry, primarily. It, mm-hmm. it, it does happen in the insurance industry, but that's usually with, you know, when it comes down to claims time, you know, somebody was talking on their cell phone and rear-ended me, and if the sky wasn't blue, then, you know, and they like yeah. to just point the finger. But that's another big thing is um, that I found is, or that I've just really observed through through time, is that it's not so much people start arguing about the issue at hand, if there is a disagreement or, you know, something that needs to be addressed, it's one person feels attacked, then the discussion or conversation then becomes about them feeling attacked. They're going on the, you know, instead of being defensive, going back on the offense, and they completely lose track. And sometimes you can ask people, what were you guys arguing about? Well, I don't know, but he called me a so-and-so, or she said this (laughs) about my such-and-such, and, you know, then everybody, it just creates a bunch of unnecessary hostilities. Right. So that that's one of the well, things that I, I, I do my best when when I'm having some of those critical conversations, focus on, you know, yes, we have to address kind of how we got here or, you know, at least make an evaluation, but that's also part of the solution. How did we get here? How can we prevent this from happening? And usually after those critical conversations, if you can strip away all of the posturing BS and everything and really just kind of be vulnerable and just open if both sides are able to do that 
there's a higher probability that you know, more likely than not you're going to actually have more of like that intimate connection. And I don't mean sexual. It's just you feel a lot closer to that person because, hey, we work together and we resolve the issue. Mm-hmm. And understanding that we can all be on the same team. Yeah. And a lot well, of people think, just like to feel, you know, acknowledged. Oh, absolutely. You know, that's, that's a big thing right there. You know, I, and I think, you know, it, when we're talking insurance or something like that, I mean, um, it does make sense to find, you know, find the, the, the responsible party and there, and there's some kind of compensation for that, I suppose. But I think the problem is, is that far too many of us, um, you know, we do that throughout our life. We're constantly looking for someone to blame. And I'll tell you, that's my default. That's my default. You know, and, and this is what mm-hmm. I always tell people too, you know, like, I, I don't hold myself or anyone responsible for their first impulse um, because that's sort of a, that's just sort of what's there. But I do hold, my, hold myself responsible for my actions and my next impulse. So my, my first impulse may be to, to blame that other person or whatever, but then I got to kind of bring it back and, um, and take responsibility because here's the thing. Um, and I've talked about this before and uh, tell me where you're at on this, Brian. I, my feeling is, um, my feeling is, that uh, sometimes, really, somebody did do something wrong to you. But here's the thing. If you just keep blaming them and you don't take any responsibility for yourself, that puts them in control. And if they're in control, you can't change it. But if you're in control, you can change it. So um, Exactly. I, I mean, and, and there, there's always exceptions that prove the, to, to the rule, and it's usually the exceptions that prove the rule. But yeah. it, it, as far as your overall context and I think the general idea, I, I think you're right on point. Absolutely great. So tell me about this. So man, this is this is exciting stuff. So you went over into special ops. What is that like now to come from that kind of a world where it's very disciplined um, and there's a lot of, uh, I mean, hey, let's face it, a lot of cool stuff going on, right? I mean, there's like shooting guns and blowing things up and and uh, running around and you know, uh, I mean, well, the, uh, there, there, I there's the, the the running, jumping, climbing trees aspect, and you know, I'm not trying to hold myself out as, as some super secret ninja operator. You know, full but disclosure, I was I, I was an I, I was an analyst on you know the the support side, but but I worked very very closely, and we did you know some cross training and, and some really fun stuff. And I, I think the biggest thing, and and not to, I, I my intent is not to go off on a on a political tangent at all here, but even when it comes to you know, the Second Amendment firearms. My experience is the, the application and use of firearms and, and even use of force, it, it's a tool. You know, the, the firearms themselves, you know, are, are the surgical instruments of, you know, kind of like last resort. And mm-hmm. learning and being trained on how to uh, apply those and use those, but also the biggest thing that I think are, you know, generally our, our country as a whole is, is kind of lacking is, is showing those like the respect growing up in Southern mm-hmm. California. I love the ocean. I didn't fear it, but I respected it. You know, you, you don't turn your back on the ocean because as soon as you do and you get complacent, mother nature is going to snatch you and kind of give you a little, little reminder of, Hey, this is what I can do. Now going back to your blaming thing, I'm not going to turn around and blame mother nature and say, mother nature is mm-hmm. bullying me. No, you're kind of giving the reminder. Um, but really seeing it, it, it's so, so impressive, you know, your, our, our tax dollars at work, at least in that aspect of 
you know, funding the, the training for the people who defend our nation, like, you know, a lot of the first responders, whether it's law enforcement, uh, firefighters, EMS personnel, and even the, the operator guys who, you know, sneak and peek and do all the secret scroll stuff. It's, it's very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's also, I, the, I think the biggest thing I saw was, was mindset. Mm-hmm. And, and my experience from, from both sides of the military, um, you got the conventional side, which is the higher-ups dictate, here's our desired end state, and then here's how you will go about executing you know, your objective or your operation or anything like that. And you got a lot of guy, folks up at the top who, they're not going out. They're the ones who are just saying, well, you go do the dirty work. Versus the special operations side is the commander or the higher-ups say, this is the objective that we'd like to achieve. Here's the desired end state. Can this be mm-hmm. done? Mm-hmm. And then the operators themselves, it, they plan it from the ground up. The guys who are actually going to go out and do what's being asked, they're going to say, we need you know, such and such air support or imagery, communications. How can we infiltrate and get you know, exfil? You know, how do we get there and how do we get home? And then they brief up, you know, they tell the commander, this is what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to do it. And then can we get a red light or green light? And if stuff isn't available, then it's like, all right, let's go back and regroup and replan. But I I saw a lot more respect and mutual camaraderie of guys because it's a smaller entity. And I Mm -hmm. I kind of find that when you get into larger corporations, people kind of get lost you know, a name on a roster is far less personal than actually going out and being cold and wet and hungry and tired with somebody because mm-hmm. there, there's, a, there's a relationship there. A lot of times mm-hmm. in, the, in the special operations side, because it's close-knit, you, you not only know the guys that are going off, you know, guys doing things in places, but you, you know the families. And there's, you know, at least kind of like the the moral, you know, your moral compass is you take care of the families while the guy is away. You know, whether it's mowing mm-hmm. their grass, someone's got, you know, change a flat tire on their car. But it's also, ha- you know, the family members having the trust that they can come to you. So for, uh-huh. for anybody who's, who's had friends who, if, if they reach out for help, now, there's a difference between enabling and, and actually helping out. If somebody comes to you for a problem, there's a high probability it means that they trust you to open up about something. Now, yeah. you don't always necessarily have to have the answer. And one of my things is I may not have the answer, but I can at least tap into my resources and see if I can't get you one step closer to resolving your problem or, or your issue or, ch- yeah. or whatever obstacle it is. So it's just, yeah. Hey, let me, things like that, and not yeah, just necessarily. But but then you also have to kind of call people out and say, look, you, you asked me for for my opinion, my advice, my help. Then you did the complete polar opposite. Your problem still exists, and or it got worse. And then you're still coming to me for help. Let me jump in there yeah. real quick, Brett. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Good info here. So uh, you guys want to let me know. So if if Brian's message is resonating with you. And sounds like somebody that you'd like to work with, whether it's insurance. He also does coaching. 
and uh, and he's uh, he's been doing some uh, some hypnosis, sort of uh, where he's at on that. But if you'd like to reach out to Brian, make a connection, Brian. What's the, a couple of best ways for someone to uh, get in touch with you? Oh, uh, feel free to uh, look me up on Facebook. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Jim, do we have a? Uh, uh, should I share share something or fa- share my Facebook page with your Facebook page, or what's the best way to to get this out to well, to people so, in case they're riding in their car or something like that? Yeah. So. So if anybody wants to uh, check, so Brian, we're going to have his, uh, his uh, bio and stuff uh, on the uh, Blog Talk uh, website. You can head over to blogtalkradio.com slash Exploring Awesome. You'll be able to look up all the episodes. You'll be able to find Brian. That's Brian Bay, B-R-I-A-N-B-A-Y. You can also find him on Facebook. So that's the best way for people to reach out to you? Yeah, that would be great. We'll probably also, we'll probably also have his phone number in there, but who knows. Um, check yeah, out yeah. the bio page. And, um, uh-huh. um I do want to let everybody know too. If um, if you're out there and you've uh, you've been curious about hypnosis, I'd love to give you a free hypnosis download. So please head over to my website, jimkellnerhypnotist.com. You'll see a thing that says free hypnosis. Download it. You're gonna love it. People love it, and it's no charge. So uh, and now back. And, to, and if you are if you are skeptical, <laughs> go ahead. If, if 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 you are skeptical about hypnosis, you're you're not going to go dance around naked or anything like that. It's just a it's it's relaxing. It's a lot of fun. So give give it a shot. You don't necessarily have to be on stage. You don't, and that's uh, that's one of the biggest misconceptions. I, I it's so it's so unfortunate because uh, so many people see the stuff go on stage and they think ah that would never happen to me. And I always tell them look I I, I wouldn't be that guy either. I'm not comfortable you know being up there getting hypnotized on stage. It wouldn't happen. But um, it still happens in a chair, uh, something. You know, a couple of things I wanted to mention about Brian. So two things that I really uh, admire about you, Brian, and I'd love for you to uh, talk about them a little more if you, if you would. Uh, the two of things course. are um, uh, he's always, he's always uh, willing to, uh, to help a friend. I mean, he's, he's always there, I, I, you know, with either whether it's me or with one of his other friends. I know he's, he's always there. Um, and the other thing, too, is um, – He's willing to to try to to do better, to get better, to to become a better person. And I want to kind of I want to kind of look at those. Have you always been like that, Brian? With both of those things? Um, yes and no. Um, I, I I grew up. I was. If my mom is listening, uh, she would probably just laugh hysterically. And same with my dad. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was a stubborn kid. Um, uh-huh. I was incredibly shy. I, I literally, and, and sometimes to this day, I, I would rather jump out of an airplane, which is fun for me. That's less mm-hmm. scary than actually like approaching, you know, a woman at a bar. Uh, not let to say that, that I haven't or I won't. Because, yeah. Let me, let, because I am absolutely, I am, I'm absolutely astonished to hear that because I have known you, uh, I don't know, almost a year, a little over a year, and uh, uh-huh. I have never, never thought you were shy at all. You always seem so outgoing. But it's interesting you say that because I. Uh, same thing. When I was painfully shy as a kid, and uh, and I'm still, I still have shyness, but it's not as bad. But I never would have guessed that about you. Oh yeah, uh, in- incredibly. Uh, I was the, you know, and and shyness kind of came from, you know, fear of rejection, embarrassment, sure. not feeling uh-huh. like I was good enough, and and it was mm-hmm. a challenge for me because I, I was, you know, at 13, 14 years old, you know, I was six foot, six foot one, had a goatee and everything like that. So it was like, <laughs> like the biggest kid in the class, you know, excelled with sports and everything, but I was also the youngest. So I was the last to get a driver's license. 
Um, being a part of a divorced family was not the norm back then, and it makes me sound really old that I'm saying that, but mm-hmm. it you know the whole back then thing. But y- yeah. you split households, so you play sports at, at one house, you go to school at another house, and you know my parents, you know the, the logistics and everything, you know complement them. They did very well, but I, I never really felt like I truly fit in in either side, because you go to baseball mm-hmm. practice. And it's, hey, you know, Susie kissed so-and-so on the playground, or do you have such-and-such a teacher? Oh, no, you go to that other school. It might be 20 minutes away, but it's, you know, in the early 80s and 90s, that might have been on another planet. Then you're out at school on the playground. Hey, Tommy struck out Timmy and and such-and-such. Oh, well, you play sports out at your mom's house, and that's, you know, a million miles away on another planet. And you're always just kind of like, well, you never really totally fit in. So... That that took a big toll, and I think uh, getting into the military kind of brought me out of my shell and getting mm-hmm. around good people who I found that the successful folks and the folks that I really gravitated to were the people who, you know, and I'll, I'll take the kind of me getting into the, the Freemasons. I was working at a, at a gun store, and a gentleman came in, mm-hmm. and he had a nice car, and he had Masonic plates, and I asked him about it, and he says, hey, come on over to my house later on and, and we'll talk. Here's my business card. Here's some information. And, you know, that was almost eight years ago. Still you uh-huh. know, forming some of the solid friendships. And, and even that, it was, I think, a, a pivotal moment in my life is uh, one of my best friends, uh, Brent Arnold, he, he reached out after a meeting and said, you know, we were at the parking lot driving away. And, you know, before we got in our cars and left, he says, hey, happy Thanksgiving, I'm thankful that I have you in my life. Right. And I was probably 32, you know, 31 or so at the time. And I sat down just kind of dumbfounded. I'm like, I, I've never had one of my friends tell me that. Hmm. And it was, it was just really, you know, so the, the, the crux of everything is the folks that I really gravitated to were the ones who said, I believe in you. Mm-hmm. You, you have something to offer and something to give. How can I help you achieve your goals? And that's really kind of, I, I like your, your message and kind of your mantra is your success is my success with your clients. You genuinely, yeah. I can see and feel you genuinely care about helping people achieve, whether it's quitting smoking. People think, God, you know, I, you know, my breath smells bad. I stink. I hate the smell of this. I hate that it's doing my health, you know, harming my health, but I, I, I crave it. How do I break that craving? Or if I'm trying to get back into better shape, losing weight you know, stop eating the foods that I love and, and that I shouldn't be eating. Uh, you you only genu- Brian, you, you, Brian only eats. <laughs> <laughs> vegetables are a bad thing. Um, but <laughs> it, it, you, I, I genuinely see the, the ex- you know, I, I hear the excitement in your voice. And, and I feel like when I tell you, hey, I've got so-and-so that I need to refer to you, you're like, man, I, I'd love to help them. But even when they, you know, if they don't engage – I also hear, hear the, the pain in your voice and kind of share in the frustration of people that it's like, it, it, it's not that hard. Go yeah. make that decision. Once you, it's kind of like jumping out of an airplane. Once you take that step, it's the hardest, easy thing you'll ever do. You know, exiting an aircraft, the gravity does most of the work. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, but once you, once you make that commitment, it's like you can't go back. But well, you also have to realize that, you, that you're not going to die. Yeah, and I and I, I share your frustration too with you know with the uh, on the insurance side when you you know when 
when you feel that pain of not being able to help someone. And that's, and that's, that really is where I come from too. I mean, sometimes I just, I just shake my head and go, people, please, I, I can help you with this. I mean, it doesn't cost that much. You're going to, life is going to be so much better. And, and uh, the excuses people come up with uh, for themselves. And uh, it's funny. I was just, I just was, I uh, had someone Facebook me a message. Um, once help with procrastination. And, uh, and I, he said, I really need to, to get started on that uh, procrastination that we talked about six months ago. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, yeah. yeah, we should get started. And he said, all right, I'm going to do this, but I'm gonna, I want to start that in May. And I said, what are you? Yeah, how about we do, do this you? next week? <laughs> and and I, I get a lot of that, too. Yeah. Uh, I, and, and, but, but the other thing about it is that when you actually call somebody on it, mm-hmm. and that's a very slippery slope, and it's – Oh, it is kind of like a good handling nitroglycerin because you, yeah, yeah, it is. You know, I and I get a lot of people that will send me text messages, and and this one gentleman, um, you know, uh, Indian descent, like from India, mm-hmm. one of the just politest people ever. You know, marvelous, mm-hmm. lovely family, but it's it's not uncommon uh, for me to have these experiences where, you know, they. He texted me and said, hey, uh, something came up. Uh, let's reschedule. How about I you know, reach out to you next week? And this was like two hours before we were supposed to have an appointment on Saturday. And mm-hmm. he's like, oh, you know, birthday or some family function. I just was like, you know, and, and I just asked him point blank. I said, is, is protecting your family important to you? If, mm. if it is, Great. I, I can go over some options. If something works for you, fantastic. If not, well, we'll, I'll see how I can help you out, you know, by referring you somewhere else or whatever. If it's not, just let me know because I don't want to keep calling you and wasting my time and have you, you know, I, I don't want to be the guy who creates that additional stress. And yeah. And, and he said, yeah, and th- this is important. And I said, fantastic. Let's do something about it. And he says, well, how about I reach out to you on Monday? And I said, why don't we just meet on Monday? Yeah. He says, well, I've, right. I've got work. And I'm like, well, remember, I kind of work usually when most people don't. What time do you get off of work and can you carve out an hour? Yeah. And, and it wasn't me begging. It wasn't me doing anything. It's going, look, let, let's, let's get the resolution. And it's not a sense of urgency of I want to go get paid and make a commission. I mean, granted, this is how I earn my living, but it's about – you know, I would just, it would just be gut-wrenching to me to be like, oh, well, sorry, we can't do this on Monday and reschedule because, you know, fatal car accident. And and right. there have been instances where, where, where that stuff happens. But, you know, my, my point is that I when I met with him, he said, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, I went over options, had a conversation with both him and his wife, and, you know, they've, they've got two lovely kids. And... He, you know, at the end of everything, everybody was happy and smiling. Like the guy met me at the door, you know, was like waiting nice. for me to drive up and, and everything. And just so appreciative and excited that he's got, you know, these types of protection. And also he's in 30 years, he's going to get a pretty nice check of, of, of stuff. But, you know, it, it was, it, it made me feel really, really good. And, and that's yeah. where. That's kind of why I got into this business because my inter- after my interactions, nine times out of ten, it's, it's going to end with something positive. Even if I don't write business, there, there's something there. 
Whereas in the family law industry, I can only write up the the pleadings for you know a hearing or, or you know, try to enforce an order or something like that. The attorney goes out, makes a great argument, and then if the judge or commissioner blows a call, somebody's now upset with me. Then we have to tell somebody, well, we got to charge you more money to try to appeal and undo something that you know really wasn't our fault. You know, we did exactly yeah. what we told you we were going to do, and we kind of gave the game plan. But there was just so much fear and contention, and you know, one of the things that I saw the most, and it kind of just brought me back to being a kid, is like. You know, people with young children, their kids are suffering in silence. Yeah. And you'll have parents that will just war with one another and full-on scorched-earth policy. And kids are just kind of like, well, we've got to go play the stupid game, and we didn't sign up for this. Yeah. Um, Let me jump in there real quick, Brian. I just want to say, you know, I just want to – to grab a nugget out of there, what you were talking about, and this is and this is something that that, I, that, uh, that we've talked about before. I talk about in some of my some of my workshops. You know, if you believe in your product or service, it is your it is your responsibility to to follow up with clients, um, to do everything uh-huh. you can to get that that product or service into their hands. And uh, and I feel the same way with the hypnosis. You know, if I can if I know that I can help somebody quit smoking or PTSD or whatever, it's my responsibility. To help them to uh, to make that that good choice to uh, to work with me, Brian. It's been great talking to you today. I really mm-hmm. appreciate it. Um, boy, time goes no, by so fast on these things. Um, oh, I really appreciate you being on. And uh, yeah, and and again, I just want to let everybody know um, if you want to, if you uh, Brian's message resonated with you, check him out. Uh, find him on Facebook, uh, Brian Brian Bay. You'll also find him in the uh, show notes here, uh, folks. Uh, Thanks so much for uh, for watching, or <laughs> thanks so much for listening, Brian. Thanks for being on the show. Oh, my pleasure, Jim. Um, Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, hey, uh, until next week. Take care. Be well. Be awesome. <laughs>